0: Mac Power Users episode 262. MPU visits WWDC. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside David Sparks. Hey David.
1: Hello, Katie Floyd. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great. Now you are broadcasting live from the epicenter of all things Apple right now, aren't you?
1: Yeah, I'm in downtown San Francisco. I'm in a in a in a little tiny hotel right next to the Moscone Center. And uh it's a small hotel with thin walls, so you may actually get the benefit of hearing other people talk during the show. But that's okay. And it's quite exciting because I didn't realize, you know, when I booked the room, I wasn't going to um I wasn't going to spend a lot of money, you know. Recently, self-employed, blah blah blah. So I got this tiny little room, which is great because it forces me to leave the room a lot. You know, I don't. It's not like a place you hang out. But it didn't occur to me. There's no desk, so I have the microphone on my nightstand, and I'm sitting on the bed and leaning over. So I go. I go to deep depths for the listeners here.
0: Well, we we certainly appreciate that, and you've got your fancy new mic set up.
1: Yeah, my travel mic. I think it sounds pretty good, right?
0: Uh yeah, you're you're a little hot. You may want to back off just a little bit.
1: All right, I'm step I'm stepping back. Step
0: step, step away back. from the mic. Yeah, we don't want you clipping. So yeah, but uh yeah, but listeners, if if you noticed a little audio difference in this episode, we, you know, keep in mind he, he's on his his brand new travel kit. This is our first time, so we'll we'll get that figured out. Um, so you were actually uh you were you were at were you at you weren't in the room for WWC, but you no. watched WWDC with a bunch of geeks, didn't you?
1: Yeah, it was in a room full of developers because it's very difficult to get in WWDC. Um, And I guess we should even just back up for a minute. The WWDC is the Apple Worldwide Developer Conference, and it's the big gathering in San Francisco every year where Apple shows the developers what it plans kind of for the next year with software updates, sometimes hardware, but mainly software so all the people who make apps are in San Francisco right now. And it's so hard to get into it that there's a whole bunch of like mini events that sprout up around it. And um, so I was in a room full of people that were not, they didn't, weren't fortunate enough to get a ticket for the conference itself, but we're here. And a lot of them are really smart people. They just didn't win the lottery to get a ticket. So I watched it in a room full of developers, which was really fun. I've, you know, I've never watched a keynote in a big crowd before. And watching them react and hang out with them it was it was a lot of fun
0: yeah um and you know we got no hardware announced this year which was which was kind of interesting We'll we'll recap some of the announcements a little bit i mean we'll we'll talk about them but you know we're, we're we've talked before is we're, we're not a new show and you know one of the things i mentioned to you as in the middle of the keynote is i'm excited because i think we're going to have a lot of content for mac power users come come this fall
1: yeah, there's some really great stuff coming forward. And we're recording this on Wednesday, and the keynote was on Monday. And the reason we waited a few days is I actually wanted some time to just talk with people. And I've got a lot of friends that work at Apple and, and a lot of friends who are developers. And that was it was time well spent because over the last two days, I've learned a ton more since the keynote went out. So uh, the idea of the show is to kind of go over what Apple announced and what we know and don't know about it and kind of thoughts about how it's going to affect our usage of the Mac and the iOS devices in the coming year. So yeah. it's a little forward, forward looking. It's definitely not a new show, but it it does have some news. So yeah. um, I would recommend this is a show you probably want to listen to because it's got some cool stuff coming.
0: Yeah. One thing I, I, before we get into the actual announcements, you know, you mentioned that that you got to sit in a room and, and watch the keynote with a bunch of other developer friends. I actually had to work the day of the keynote. I had a bunch of stuff going on at the office. So I was able to check in on on Twitter and at one point I had the feet up and and you know during lunch I I listened in on the on the headphones a little bit. Um, but I was not able to follow much of the announcements at the time they were happening. Instead I I came home and watched them on my Apple TV later that day. But I had an an interesting setup and someone on Twitter actually mentioned this. I, I put out a tweet the morning of and said, you know, what's the best way to follow the most important announcements of the keynote, get notifications on my Apple watch, but yet not have it buzzing every 30 seconds because, or even more frequently, because if you follow, you know, one of the Twitter feeds from a, from someone who's their life blogging it, you're just going to get pinged and pinged and pinged and pinged and pinged. And, pinged and, and I can't do that while I'm at the office. So it's kind yes. of an interesting problem to solve.
1: So how'd you solve it?
0: Um, someone wrote wrote back, and you know, if I've got the tweet, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes to give credit, but they suggested, and this is an app that um, I've actually found quite a use for now, they suggested the Breaking News app. I've always had the CNN app on my phone for kind of breaking news, but the Breaking News app has a bunch of features where you can really tweak the notification settings so that you can get alerts from specific types of news that you follow. And one of the trends was Apple News. And so you, I've set an alert for Apple News news and it tells you about how many alerts a day or a month or a year that you receive. Um, and obviously you're going to receive more alerts on WWDC day than you are on just any normal day of the week, because it's really only breaking news. And I received, I would say maybe 12 alerts total on, on WWDC day, which was just about right. You know, I got the the highlights about what they introduced and some of the highlights about what they introduced, but I didn't get a blow by blow. So I felt like yeah. I was informed, but not overwhelmed. And and it, because they have an Apple Watch app, or because the notifications were there, it just tapped me on my wrist.
1: Now, since since the event, have you had a chance to watch it?
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I came yeah. home that night and watched it on my Apple TV.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, what do you want? You want to just dive in and talk about some of the announcements?
0: Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about the announcements, but then I definitely want to save time, maybe the second part of the show um, and talk about WWDC from your perspective, especially, you know, as someone who's never been there before uh, and some of the other stuff that's going on there.
1: Absolutely. Definitely.
0: Um, So first up, we had um, uh, OS 10.10.11, I guess. uh, El Capitan.
1: Yeah, it's um, so the the naming convention stayed inside Yosemite Park and El Capitan is one of the or as us Californians called El Cap is uh, one of the primary features of Yosemite. So this seemed kind of like, you know, when they went from leopard to snow leopard and lion to mountain lion, this is a variation of the theme. So they they kept a name. And really, if you look at it overall, um, this this new version really is almost 10.10.5 then it's 10.11 in a lot of ways.
0: I I almost wondered if they would call it 10.10.5 rather than 10.10.11. In fact, I don't know. I I haven't looked at the developer build what the number is, but I think it is 10.10.11. Now, El Capitan, that that would be the the cliff, the rock face. That would be the one that Kirk fell off of and that Spock had the anti-gravity boots and had to go catch him?
1: Yes, it's not Half Dome. Half, half, dome dome. Is the one, yeah, half Dome is the one that's got the flat face and its side. Have you ever been to Yosemite? I Canine? have been. To, yeah,
0: I, w- I went to Yosemite at Macworld okay. last year. Yes. Oh, that's but I just wanted, I wanted to make sure that everybody knew the difference
1: because, yeah, yeah
0: the captain yeah. fell off of El Capitan.
1: <laughs> you know what? I never thought about that, but you're right. Yes. And it, Yeah, anyway. But so I think it's cool to say with Yosemite because it's really one of my favorite places in the world. So it's kind of cool that I don't know if they stayed there. Um, but, you know, so they came up with the, a name. I, and don't you think it's almost time? And I know Jason Snell has been talking about this, but I almost feel like the whole 10.10, 10, 11, whatever, it just almost feels to me like that stuff just needs to end.
0: Well, it was really you- deemphasized in this keynote. They did not say 10.10.11. 10. I think if you go in about this Mac, you'll see it. But it's its very, it's, it's not the emphasis anymore. And I think that's a good thing
1: yeah me too me too and a general theme for the whole day i think in a lot of ways was um this year is kind of like the hangover year i mean last year they really turned the operating system upside down on both the ios and the mac and the reason was they added all these features that allow the mac and ios to interact better together and you know if you go back a year we were all very excited about it and i I frankly still am uh, but that was no easy task. And so it was a major deal. And I think it has been very difficult to make all these pieces fit together. I mean, they didn't have to just fix one thing they had to fix it on both OS's and, um, and this, and this year I feel like they're like, they're still tightening things down on that. And they're not being as aggressive with new features. And, and they even said, this is a, a lot of, this is performance improvements, but there are some new features and, and new things to discuss. Um, but, on the topic of performance features they they one of the first announcements they made was that they're bringing metal to the mac and you know in programming parlance they always say you know you want to get as close to the metal as possible and what they mean by that is write your code as close you know as there as few level of abstractions between your programming code and the actual hardware that's doing the processing and as programming languages get more complex there's there's a whole bunch of interpretation that takes place And it's just necessary. But last year they came out with this thing called metal on iOS. So, and it allowed you to get closer to the metal with graphics performance, which makes games a lot better on your iPad and iPhone. And at the time I was thinking, boy, this would have been easier to do on the Mac than, than the iPhone and iPad. And because, you know, it's just, it would. And sure enough, this year here it is on the Mac too.
0: Well, it was obviously they were working on it behind the scenes. And that was the big, you know, they didn't, they didn't dwell on the fact they weren't saying, you know, performance hasn't been great under Yosemite, but they certainly said that this is one of, we're really focusing on performance. I think you're going to see some performance enhancements even, even before uh, we see the release of El Capitan. I know there's been a big issue with Discovery D and is that what is really causing some of the problems uh, that a lot of us are seeing with Wi-Fi and with Handoff and with some of those things. And I think Apple is really, is this the snow leopard year? Are they getting back to basics and, and really focusing on on squashing some of these bugs and getting back to some of these other things? I mean, for example... You know, they're telling us that apps should launch. You know, almost one and a half times faster, and and you should be able to to see your mail messages faster, and PDF should open faster. Um, those are things that an everyday computer user. Those are huge. You know, if my app will come up faster than it did before, that that's a huge improvement just in terms of daily use.
1: Yeah, and and talking to people here, the the word on the street kind of is this is great, this performance on on the big Macs, but the reason, one of the reasons this is such a a priority for Apple now is that, you know, the new MacBook and, you know, getting lower uh, processing speed Macs, but making them work at an acceptable speed. And, you know, one of the things I I can't help but think, and nobody from Apple has told me this, is like, are are these the things that are leading towards like an ARM processor-based Mac? I mean, these are the kinds of moves you would make as you're going that direction. And an ARM processor Mac would have ridiculous battery life because they use so much less power. So um, it's just kind of interesting to see, you know, Apple is a company that puts puzzle pieces in place and, and you don't really know the big picture till all the pieces are on the table. And it feels to me like definitely this year we saw a few puzzle pieces put down. And we're not exactly sure what, you know, where they're going with it. And uh, But either way, the, the performance improvements are going to be great. Um, but they also did add some new features.
0: Yeah, some of the big features that they used, and you know, I'm not really sure where you want to start, um, but window management was a big one. We saw things like Split View come to the Mac, uh, and I know I couldn't help but feel like, oh, has, has Moom just been Sherlocked?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I thought about that too, as they were demonstrating. I was thinking, these are features I've been using in Moom now for years. And in fact, Moom, but you know, the fact is Moom... And, and we've talked about Moom on the show in the past but it's a really powerful window manager um, Moom has better features than this and like absolutely
0: most of the time the apps that are Sherlock
1: do yeah so what like one of the things I do with Moom is when I podcast I have a preset like layout for all the windows on my screen and I just push a script in Moom and it puts you know call recorder in the right spot and the uh you know the messages app so everything works really nice um this is a much more simple um, but it's going to be on everybody's Mac. So a lot of people, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that don't buy anything in the app store and this is going to make their experience better. Um, I don't view this as kind of a power user feature as much as just kind of an everyday user feature. Um, but I'm glad that they're working on it. It, it seems to me that they're always trying to improve mission control. I mean, uh, every, almost every year or two, we get the slides and the demos showing how the windows can jump around the screen in a different way. Um, and I, it's not, you know, I, I've spent some time looking at the, the website and I watched that section of the keynote again, and I don't know if this is that much of an improvement over the way it is, but, uh, I, I'm definitely looking forward to trying the beta at some point when, when Katie Floyd lets me, cause I know I'm not allowed to just of not
0: on your podcasting machine.
1: Okay. Uh, but I do think it's going to be interesting uh, to see how how improved it is and whether it tempts me to drop Moom, but I suspect it won't. Um, they also talked a lot about um, Safari, and they've got some nice new features in there. And, like, one of the ones I thought was kind of cool is these, this idea of pins. I mean, because we all have, like, apps that we – or, I'm sorry, websites we go to frequently. Now you can kind of pin them, so you can always have them present.
0: Well, and I think you misspoke, but they websites almost do become apps when you visit them so frequently so if yeah. if Facebook is that that site for you where F- Facebook almost becomes an app in your browser, or if Gmail is that site for you, you can pin Gmail or you can pin Facebook or you can pin Twitter or any of those types of sites that you frequently visit, Pinterest or whatever it might be, and it's just always going to be there and it's going to preload for you
1: how do you do you use the bookmarks bar?
0: I do use the bookmarks bar. Yeah, so I've, I've got my bookmarks. I'm a very sparse bookmark person. So I've got, you know, folders at the top of my bookmarks bar, and then I've got bookmarks inside of those.
1: Yeah. So I, I do similar, and, and that is no longer the default behavior. So on your Safari, you may not see bookmarks. You have to go into, I believe, view settings and um, show bookmark. Or actually, it's under show bookmarks. It's under the bookmarks menu item and say show bookmarks. Right. But And, and you can do it two ways. You can have like a root site, like I can have maxbarkey.com as first bookmark, and I can just click on that and go to the website. And then I if you have a folder full of them that shows up with a little disclosure triangle and you can click on that and pick one. Although I use LaunchBar so often to go to it because once you have a bookmarked site, LaunchBar sees that as a high priority target. If you just open LaunchBar and start typing, usually it finds it. So I use uh, Launch Bar more often than anything to get to a web a bookmarked website. So maybe this pinning thing might work for me. I could put just the the few that I really want there. Um, I guess we'll see. But uh, you know, I, once again, I think this is a thing. Just trying to get more accessible to users. Uh, I mean, it, and that was another general theme is you know they they just keep t- continuing trying to make the system more accessible. One of one of the little features they showed off, which was kind of obvious in hindsight, is um, have you ever been looking at your screen and you can't find your mouse? I yes. Mean, yes. So I, I have that like, cause I have a 27 inch computer at my desk at home and that's actually a lot of pixels that you can lose your mouse in. And now with this new version, if you just jiggle your mouse or on your trackpad, if you, you know, just go right left real quick. Your mouse blows up to like 10 times its size and it makes it really easy to see it. And as soon as you slow down, it shrinks back down to its normal size. I mean, so we've been using computers now for with a graphical operating system for what is it now, 30 years. And it, and we just decided to figure out to do that. I mean, it, honestly, I think that's a feature they could have put in like the Mac SE. And, well, And that's uh,
0: something that everybody does. You know, if someone walks up to the yeah. machine, what's the first thing they do is they shake their mouse to find it.
1: Yeah. So yeah. that's cool. I'm glad that they're continuing to even find little things to make the experience easier. Yeah, like um, in
0: Safari, another little thing is if you've got a, a tab or a site that's being um, a little aggressive and is maybe auto-playing video or audio, auto-playing uh, audio, there's a button. You can say what site is making that noise, and you can mute it. And if you've got a video on a site, instead of having to airplay your entire screen, which maybe you don't want to do, maybe you just want to share a particular video on a site, you can now airplay that particular video. So just some nice little refinements.
1: Yeah, that last um, we also, one's going to... That last go one's going to be huge for my, my house because we have the oldest generation. Oh, I'm sorry. We have the first generation hockey puck, Apple TV, you know, the very first so the second
0: Apple, generation Apple TV.
1: Yeah. Okay. There you go. And, um, and we don't get updates anymore. We don't get YouTube. I mean, that it's, it's definitely ready for an upgrade. So whenever we want to share YouTubes in the house, we have to like look it up on the Mac or the iPad and then share it to the screen. And quite often we look it up on the Mac and it's goofy when you have to share the whole screen. Right.
0: Uh, And then Mail app was another one. You know, Mail, they seem to slowly be refining it, although Mail is still an app that needs a lot more refining. Uh, But we saw some nice things in Mail. Um, For example, two features that I'm very interested in is You've always had, um, what are they called? Data blocks or data, data detectors in mail, where if you had a contact or you had an event that you could hover over it and add it to your address book or add an event to your calendar. But now mail's going to pull that information right out and add it to the top to say, hey, I think I found an event. Do you want to add this to your calendar? Or I think, I think this is a contact. Do you, do you want to add this to your address book? That's huge for me. I do that all the time.
1: Yeah, and we're going to circle back to talking about proactive operating system features, you know, where the computer tries to do some of the thinking for you. Uh, it's a much bigger deal, and I think it's appropriate for us to talk about it when we get to iOS later. But this is um, something Apple is going in the direction of, and I definitely have some opinions on that. Um, one of the things in Mail that I thought was really great was, and, and I guess really great is probably not, not the right word. Uh, I've been frustrated Insanely for years. great. No, actually, I, yeah. I, I want to say overdue, um, and that that's for years now since they've had full screen apps, and especially now that I'm using this 12 inch laptop, I put a lot of stuff in full screen because it, it's really easy for me to swipe up with four fingers and just see all the apps that I'm running in full screen with their names underneath and tap the one I want to get to. It's it's a very simple method to to work with a lot of different applications at once. But in Mail, um, the compose window is modal, which means when I go to compose a new message with mail in full screen, I cannot access the rest of the mail application. I can't go look at old email messages. And it's just, I mean, they don't even have this on iOS even does a better job of this. You know, on an iPad, you can actually swipe a message down and still access the rest of your mail. And for, I think now, maybe three years, it's been this way on, on the Mac. And it's just frustrating. I mean, it just seems so obvious that that should not be the appropriate behavior. I don't think it was the appropriate behavior to begin with but now they fixed it and they've really fixed it in a big way. They've allowed you to act, not only access your prior mail, you have a tabbed compose window. And I haven't used it yet, but the idea that you could have two or three messages tabbed while you're composing them is something that I actually could use. So um I'm I'm looking forward to see how that how that plays out.
0: Yeah. And they've also brought some swipe gestures to mail. I'm not sure how much I'm going to use that. I don't have a trackpad that I use regularly, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, that's one of those things where it's back to the Mac. It's, uh, it's the same swipe gestures you're using on iOS. Like if you swipe, you may not know this, but if you're using mail and you swipe to the left or the right, it gives you the ability to archive or delete or flag. I mean, it's a setting you can change. And it's a great way to like kind of grind through an inbox quickly. Well, now you're going to have that on the Mac too. So we'll see. Um, the uh, I'll tell you, you know, one of the biggest surprises of the day for me was the n- renewed focus on notes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought that Apple had forgot they made notes. I mean, it's like the stocks app and the, you know, weather app. It's like, you know, it's just in a dark, dark corner of Apple and nobody cares. But they really went all in on notes, both on the Mac and iOS.
0: Yeah, a lot of people are questioning um, whether the attention that they've given to notes is going to... um, make them switch from other apps. You know, we've all found these other note-taking apps that we're using now instead of Notes because Notes was, was just so bad. You know, now now Notes is a destination on the share sheet and you can support things like checkboxes and images. It's, for me, I don't think it's going to be a replacement for Evernote, but depending on how it's not, you know, depending on how you use Notes, it certainly becomes a lot more functional.
1: It's a contender for the first time. I mean, I think the reason why for the rise of Evernote and all these other notes applications is because Apple never really seemed to take this that seriously. I mean, I don't know if you recall or not when they first had notes on the iPhone, and even I think with the original iPad, the font default font was Marker Felt, Marking which was up. like it was like it was terrible. It was hard to read. It was like, it just felt to me like a toy and. I never took it seriously, and now I am. And, and you're right, the integration with the operating system gives them some tools that Evernote doesn't have. However, it's still not Evernote. I mean, you can't access it on your PC, and you know there's some limitations. Um, and and frankly, it looks to me like um, I, I have a big post going up on my initial thoughts of iOS, and one of the things I thought was, and I haven't spent time with the actual app, I've just seen the videos and talked to a few people that have worked with it, it looks to me like a lot of the uh, user interface interactions are very similar to a lot of those that were in Vesper, and you're, you're not me- the
0: only one who has made that comparison.
1: Is that because I haven't read? I haven't. I, honestly, I've been meeting with people, and I have not read anything um, since all this happened. Even though it's been two days, but it it feels to me like a little bit of a Sherlock. I, and I don't want to say that because I haven't really. I don't have firsthand knowledge, but. it it looks a little funny to me. And, um, but you know, investor in fairness, Vesper is a really great app, so I can see why they would want to emulate it. So I don't know, but the, um, I, I think it's a contender again and the, and the integration with the operating system is a good reason. Now they said, I believe in the keynote that like something like half of the users are working in notes. And when I look at the people in my life who are not, um, you know, big Mac power user type people, all of them have things in notes. My wife has, you know, lists and notes. And it, I think it's actually used by a lot more people than we think.
0: I, um, I agree. It is, you know, I just, one of my senior partners, who's a very basic iPad user uh, came to me and he says, I, I need to go to my a conference and I'm, I'm going to be taking notes. How do I do that? And I said, well, you know, I thought about it for a while and I thought, well, I yeah, could download... Not,
1: yeah. Yeah, you're not going to hook them up with a Evernote account, right? Yeah,
0: no. I just thought, what is the easiest way to do this? Um, and we actually have an Exchange account that, that we use, so it, it will actually sync with the Nodes app on the, um, uh, in, in Outlook for him. And I just thought, well, all right, let's, let's do this. And he was very happy with it. You know, it, was, it was, that was all he needed, was just to be able to, and, and he understood the analogy.
1: I've been on a spirit quest over a new notes app for the last year, and I, uh, I I spent serious, I think I spent two months using Evernote. I I tried multiple third-party applications, and ultimately I ended up back in Envy Alt on the Mac. And um, I ended up using, I found a pretty good app, actually it was recommended to me by Brett Terpstra called iWriter on iOS, which syncs really well with NVAult. And I've been using that pretty happily. I think we're going to have to do a show on notes um, once this all ships and we have some time to play with it so we can make some ideas and recommendations and workflows because uh, this is just interesting space for me. And I know a lot of our listeners are are relying on quick notes. Yeah.
0: And then search was another big focus, both on the Mac side and on the iOS side. And we'll probably talk about it a little more on the iOS side but again, this was another big year for Spotlight. It, it gained more features. We saw more intelligent search. It now has access to more things. But I think the big one for, for non-power users is that it's going to be much more intuitive about the types of questions. You can actually ask Spotlight questions. You know, sh- what are the files that I worked on yesterday? And it will, it will show you. Uh, Now, you and I both know and and most of our listeners probably know how to do a search that says find kind is document date modified is yesterday or within the last week or whatever. But for many users to say, show me the documents I worked on last week. That's huge.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's funny. I was just using this. I gave a talk here on um, legal advice for developers and my keynote file got sent to the wrong place. So it's like I did a, a finder search a few days ago, you know, find kind presentation and did all. That. I was thinking if I didn't know how to do this stuff, I would be completely hosed. So um, I, I like the natural language idea because I think there's a lot of people that are never going to stop to learn how to do that that search criteria.
0: Um, and then Photos app got a little attention. We knew that it would, but uh, we're going to see those editing extensions that we talked about in the Photos app. And we're going to start to see some location support.
1: I thought it was funny because my two biggest complaints about photos, I remember when we did the show, I believe at the end, I said, there's two things I don't like. Number one is it doesn't have third party editors and number two, it doesn't have location support. And those things were both already in the works apparently. So that's they were, cool.
0: That or they were just listening to you.
1: Yeah. You know what? I think that's exactly what I, I think Tim Cook listened to it and he said, stop the presses gang. Nobody's going home until we solve uh, Max Sparky's request here. I'm sure that's what happened. Now that I think about it, but anyway, that's great. That's great. So photos is getting better. And, um, and in general, I mean, I think the operating system is marching forward. Now, now none of these are huge, but I I think it's all pretty good. And the search stuff I want to say for iOS, because I think it's an interesting new angle coming out of Apple that we've never seen before.
0: Well, let's talk about iOS, but maybe before we do, why don't you talk about our first sponsor?
1: Sure. Uh, and our first sponsor is smile software and their excellent scanning application, PDF Pen scan plus. So, and you know, it's funny. I bring this up because I've been using the heck out of it the last few days as I'm in San Francisco, when I sit down and have dinner with a sponsor or something and, uh, pick up the tab, I want to make sure I capture all those records for my, for my taxes and PDF Pen scan plus is just one of those apps you keep on your phone and you can hold it up over a receipt at the end of dinner, and it automatically focuses and crops and takes a picture of the receipt for you. But it, it does much more than that. I mean, there's plenty of apps that can do that, but PDF Pen Scan Plus goes to the next level. It converts it to a PDF for you, and it also, as the name implies, scans it into OCR text. So once I save it, and it saves to Dropbox, and one of the, the cool tricks of PDF Pen Scan Plus is it remembers your you know where you save documents to. So I have a particular folder in Dropbox called Action. And I put it in there and it's already got the receipt before I leave the restaurant. It's got the receipt in there with the full name of, you know, what happened and the amount and the name of the restaurant and all that stuff done. I can even name the file right there and using the proper naming conventions. Um, Hazel, you know, another app we talk about all the time, will then grab the receipt, put it in my tax file, put it in my other expense files and, you know, do all the things I need to have done. So before I leave the restaurant, I've already got the receipt filed and ready. I could even have an email copy to my accountant. And all that happens because of PDF Pen Scan Plus. It's just a a great way to capture documents on the road. And it doesn't work with just receipts. You could use it with full-size documents. If you got to take pictures of something for school from your kid or from something for your work, PDF Pen Scan Plus can take care of it for you. Um, They've got version 2.0, which is out now, which is new as of March, and it's a free upgrade for existing users so you don't have to buy it again. So if you've got it and you haven't opened it for a while, go in there and check it out. They've got touch-free scanning and it detects page edges automatically. And the camera automatically crops the scan. It's just a super useful application. Um, I, I have it all the time. And especially when I'm traveling, I keep it on my home screen because I'm using it so often. So check it out. It's like having a scanner in your pocket. And it's from our friends over at Smile. Great company making great applications. Thanks, Smile and PDF Pen Scan Plus for sponsoring the show.
0: So I want to start uh, the discussion with with iOS 9 with probably the feature that I'm most excited about. And David, you know, I love Siri. I I have like a a, perhaps an unhealthy relationship with Siri. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just Siri. I talk to her. She is my best friend. She and I talk all the time.
1: Sometimes she's the friendliest person that I talk to all day, which is kind of sad.
0: That's too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I, I think this update shows that they're still very interested in Siri. I didn't get everything that I wanted in Siri. She didn't get quite as intelligent as I hoped she would. Um, But I think it's, it's, you know, baby steps. It's helping.
1: Yeah. So um, what about it are you most excited about with Siri?
0: Um, Well, Siri has gotten a lot smarter. You know, for example, um, they're wrapping up many more things in Siri. So on iOS, Siri is... The search engine you know a lot of things that we would consider spotlight search on the mac os is all under the umbrella of siri and ios so i think siri is just going to be your your digital assistant and is going to handle everything over on ios so she's got access to i call her she is is that okay
1: well it depends what country you live in
0: i guess that's true
1: I mean, I know in some some countries she's decided to, you know, get the operation, you know.
0: (laughs) But uh, so Siri, but no, I'm just saying, is it sad that I've called a a digital thing? I've already anthropomorphized her to the point. Oh, no,
1: I totally think of it as a person. Okay, Yeah.
0: Um, But Siri has access to more things now. Uh, Stock quotes, calculations and conversions, sports scores, weather information, your contacts. Uh, Those are all things that we've seen in Spotlight before.
1: Yeah, so and, I'm not and, real know, sure
0: why it's called Siri, but they Apple seems to have laid claim that Siri is going to be this on the Mac or on iOS.
1: Yeah, and and I think it's great. Yeah, I was a little disappointed that we didn't get Siri on the Mac. I was yeah, that was that a Freudian was slip because
0: because I think yeah. we will soon.
1: Yeah, I, I would have thought this year would have been a natural for it, but that's okay. I do think like one of the effects of the watch for a lot of people is that their um, watch users are saying, "Oh, like, Siri works pretty good," and then they're going back and using it more on their iPads and iPhones as well. Um, uh, it's there's, there's a general move and I guess this is a good place as any to talk about what Apple's calling proactive or proactivity. Yes. And, and it's, it's an interesting thing because this is something I've been watching um, a little bit jealously over on the Android size where Google is, has been for several years now that what they have Google now, which like if you get a, Email that has a flight reservation in it, then Google remembers that and tells you when your flight's coming up and and does all those great things to make it more of an intelligent assistant, you know, that it's kind of proactively seeking out things that should be important to you. And they are trying to add this to the iOS. And the interesting thing about this is um there's always been a little bit of a creepy factor in the way Google does this, because I mean Google's a company that makes their money selling ads. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And I, I don't think they're evil, but I, I do think that, you know, they need to have good information on you to deliver good ad content, which makes them money. So that's, you know, it makes a lot of sense for them to want to read all your email and find those things out. Um, and Google has always done this as a server based service. So they do it on their servers. That's not done on your, your specific device. And Apple, Apple's take on it is very different. and And they've been quite vocal about this. I've you know, it, it's clear that this is like a directive of the company because it's kind of that you're seeing it in keynotes and other venues that these guys are talking. And Apple's take on it is, yeah, we want to make this work for you, but we don't want your information. We just don't want to know anything about you. It's like it's your life. You know, we don't want to collect your information. So all of this is done locally on your device. So when you get an email um, that has a plane reservation in it, then then Siri and proactivity is going to kick in, but the Apple servers are not going to be involved at all. It's all going to happen on device. So what does that mean as users? It means that we have more privacy with the Apple devices, but it also means that our devices have to carry the load of making this happen. And it's not going to be as ubiquitous because like when it happens on a server, then it auto populates to all your other devices. And this is a little more complicated here. I mean, I guess it really depends on how it works. Like, one of the things I was thinking is one of the things they talked about was if you call your mom every day at five o'clock and maybe you do it on the way home and and Siri and Proactivity noticed that you always call this person at five o'clock on Tuesday, um, eventually Siri is going to give you a reminder at five o'clock on Tuesday. Hey, call your mom, which I think is kind of cool, um, but that's going to it's going to notice that on your phone because that's where you're making the call. But as I understand it, although I haven't seen this yet, once that reminder goes in place, it's going to populate across all your devices. Are you with me?
0: Yeah, I think that's exciting.
1: Yeah. And so all this is going to happen on device. Um, I don't know if it's going to be as powerful as Google's because Google, frankly, has been better in doing this for longer with the server-based stuff. But it's in the right direction. And and I'm really mixed on it because I, I am one of those people that actually is concerned about privacy. And... I think I'm in the minority. I mean, I think overall, the post I've got going up later today, I just don't think a lot of people care. I think a lot of people are like, they've already surrendered and they said, I don't care. They're going to have everything on me anyway. They might as well have all this stuff too. Uh, But uh, I'm glad Apple is fighting this battle. I'm glad that they're trying to bring us the features, but also protect our privacy. And um, I'm really curious to see how it works.
0: Yeah. But also keep in mind that as long as they're limited to doing things only on the device, that is going to limit, to some respect, the amount of proactivity and the amount of information that they can give you.
1: Exactly. It's, it's not going to be quite as good. And and uh, I'm just curious to see how it all plays out. Another part of me wonders, is this a nerd thing? I mean, is this just something that people like us get excited about? Or is this something that other people will get excited about? You know, it's like my barometer is my family. I mean, my wife pulled me aside. You know, we, my wife and I were talking about stuff the other day. And out of the blue, she says, you know, I really, really love this new Photos. And I said, well, why is that? She says, I don't have to think about transferring photos. I can just keep everything. And she's just, I mean, I know we've had some listeners that have had difficult experiences with it, but a lot of people have just really just love the way it's just ubiquitous now and just works for them. And I have to wonder, is this the kind of thing that people like my wife are going to pick up on? Or is this just something like that Katie and I are going to get excited about? So it's going to be interesting. So, and I'm really thrilled that Apple's is, is stepping into this because I feel like if they had ignored, you know, when they have all that data on the phone, why can't they help, you know, have it automatically make my life easier.
0: Right. And I I think the, the reminder or the more powerful reminders feature integrated into Siri is also going to be huge. I use reminders all the time with, with Siri. I will often, you know, say those magic words, remind me to do this, remind me to do that. And that, you know, just funnels into my OmniFocus system and it works, but being able to have, um, Aware reminders. Apparently, we're going to have more location-based reminders, and uh, we're also going to be able to say, "I'm I'm looking at this email. Remind me to come back to this email, or remind me to look at this web page again." Those things are huge. I mean, it's a little less important now with with share sheet sheets, and I can just send something off to OmniFocus. But again, for everyday users, this is huge.
1: Yeah, and and for me, I think this was the big big news of the day for iOS. I'm like you. I'm I'm very enthusiastic about seeing this all work. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, let's let's change the subject and move on to something that I'm not quite sure about. It seems it seems obvious that we're both very excited about Siri. But what do you think about the news app, the very Flipboard style news app that was introduced? I yeah, mean, flip- you're you're <laughs> a content publisher.
1: Yeah. I, I'm. Well, it's I think the details are really fuzzy. So just if you didn't if you missed the, the presentation, um, the um, Apple has a new application called News and this is different from newsstand which is going away so this is going to be basically a flipboard clone and i think in a lot of ways and um but the inter- there's so many questions surrounding it i mean they've got some reference on their website about advertising and they're making reference that you'll be doing advertising through apple ads but like how is the new york times going to put their content in this if they don't have a way to monetize it themselves are they going to depend on apple for that i it finds, i find it hard to believe that big publishers are going to do that Um, But one of the things I really liked about the presentation part of this is they were highlighting uh, publications and they had the New York Times and I forget they had another one. And then they had Daring Fireball, which is our friend John Gruber's uh, blog. And and Gruber says he had no
0: idea. He was shocked when that happened.
1: Yeah, but I mean, the fact is, and, and you know what, but in hindsight, I think it was the perfect blog because John is so popular with developers. I mean, Seeing him walk around here and talk to developers. He's definitely, you know, royalty blogger in, in this community. And um and so it just made sense in a room full of developers that you would put Darren Fireball up. But even more importantly, Apple put a blog up as a feature in this. And so they clearly think people are gonna be looking at more than the New York Times with it. Now, with our audience and you and me, Katie, are you I'm am I gonna abandon unread? So I can do all my news in this thing, probably or or reader, yeah, or Uh, Mister Reader, yeah. So, so probably not. But am I going to put my content into it? Um, If it is as simple as I'm told it is, and right now I'm saying I'm told they just follow a basic RSS standard. Why wouldn't I want to put my blog in there? Because there'll be some people that prefer it. I mean, I know a lot of people, and and maybe this is just a prejudice of mine. But it seems to me like everyone I talk to that tells me how much they love um, using Flipboard is not a real big power user, but I know a lot of people that really love Flipboard. So Apple putting their own Flipboard together, once again, makes a lot of sense, you know? So, um, will it be more successful than NewStand was? Um, it seems simpler and that's usually a good thing. And, um, this is one, I think we just have to let it get out into the wild and see what happens.
0: Yeah, I agree. Well, our, our next I think we could spend quite a bit of time uh, on on iOS. So do you maybe want to want to take a quick break here and, and talk about our yeah. next sponsor? Let's do that. Yeah. Um, our next sponsor for this episode is our good friends over at One Password. And, uh, you know, One Password is have you seen them over at WWDC, by the way? Yeah, yeah I
1: was. Uh, I saw the whole gang Yeah, and uh, they're all doing great.
0: Good. Uh, I love the folks at, at 1Password because they, they just they kill it. You know, they they have found a way to make the best password manager uh, on the Mac, on the iPhone, on the iPad. Uh, even they've got a password manager for Windows and Android because they know how important it is to have all of your devices everywhere that you go. And of course, they're at WWDC because, of course, they want to stay on top of all these things. You know, when access to Touch ID. Came out last year at WWDC. Um, guess who was one of the first people to be on that one password? Yeah. Of course, yeah. you know they're when you know they were one of the first people uh, to have a share extension into Safari, so that you can actually you know launch your Safari passwords from From within One Password, without actually having to leave the Safari app, you know they are always on top of these latest developments. And, and I don't even know why I asked. Of course, they're at WWDC. They're sending their developers. They're sending their team. They're They're learning about all the latest uh, APIs and things that we haven't even heard about yet. Because they you know, we just watched the keynote, and they're actually sitting in on the developer sessions, learning how to make the most out of this app. You know, both for the Mac and for iOS. Um, and one of the things that One Pass we haven't even talked about what the app does. So, but for people who don't know, One uh, Password allows you to create strong, unique passwords uh, that you can then share across all of your various devices so that there is no need for you to reuse your passwords if you've got an apple watch oh yeah they've got they've got a they've got an app for that and we haven't talked about it yet but we're now going to see native apps coming to the apple watch and i know that the one password team is sitting in on those apple watch sessions trying to figure out what can they do to up their game on apple watch but i've got to tell you their apple watch game is is pretty good so far because i am using apple watch on one pass or excuse me one password on apple watch all the time, you know. One of the things that One uh, Password introduced in one of the earlier versions this year was the ability to support two-factor authentication. And if you're big into passwords and you're big into security, you've probably got two-factor authentication turned on across all of your devices. But two-factor authentication is a little bit of a pain because you've got to have that second device with you. You've got to have your iPhone, or you've got to have something else. Well, when you've got two-factor authentication set up in One Password, you've probably got One Password with you because if you don't have your iPhone you've got one password with you on your Mac or you've got one password with you on your wrist and you've got that two-factor authentication code right on your wrist once you've sent that favorite to Apple Watch. So I'm finding two-factor authentication so much easier to use because I know that my authentication codes are never more than a wrist tap away. Uh, And that is huge because it just takes one more barrier away from using two-factor authentication and it just makes it so much more convenient. Uh, So go check them out. You can head over to their website at onepassword.com. Download their app for Mac. You can get the uh, iOS versions in the App Store. If you use a different platform, they'll support you too. Uh, And thanks so much to One Password for their generous support of our show.
1: I have a really quick, funny story about one password. I was before the show today and because my room is a closet, really, <laughs> I, uh, I don't spend much time in it during the day and I, I had to get some legal work done. So I was at the Starbucks down the street from the hotel. And, um, and I saw one of my friends that works at one password came in and he looked really bleary eyed, you know, he's one of the programmers and, uh, and he's getting coffee and, and the guy looked at me like he had a hard night and, you know, being at WWDC, I'm thinking, yeah, you must have been at that party. So I asked him, I said, you've been a lot, doing a lot of partying, I bet. And he says, actually, I was up all night working in the watch development kit. He's, oh, yeah. He's, he's, these, guys are not, these guys are not waiting for anything. They are already at it. So we're going to have some great stuff from 1Password as we go forward. My voice is kind of a mess, I guess you can tell, right? It's a little deep.
0: Yeah. You, the, you've been um, singing karaoke with the 5 by 5 folks, haven't you? And Gene. Jean's a big karaoke Yeah,
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I just... Yeah. G- oh, I saw Jean McDonald, guest on our recent show. She's saying these boots are made for walking in German. She just brought the <laughs> house down. <laughs> but I, I just just talking to people, I'm blowing my voice out because these rooms are so loud. But anyway, um, yeah. So um, there is more to talk about on iOS. And um, uh, I'd like to talk briefly. I mean, there's some smaller ones, but I thought one of the big, big changes was the iPad. Um, there was a lot of news about what's coming for iPad.
0: I'm very um, excited about that, David, and I'm I'm a little torn because I think you might be right about me getting rid of my iPad Mini now.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll get new iPads in a few months, like every year. You know, usually it's October, so. I think you should just you know reserve judgment. I, I'm sure a lot of this stuff will work on the iPad Mini as well. Is, is using your no, it does.
0: Everything but split screen works on my current iPad Mini. But yeah, ooh, uh, it, it looks it looks like it'd be great on the larger screen though.
1: Yeah, hmm, or perhaps even larger screen, a larger you know? screen. Yeah, the um. So let's just talk about what they brought to it, uh, and one of the big things, probably the big thing, was was app multitasking. And they're doing it in, in two ways. Uh, the first one is what Katie was refer- referencing, split screen. So now you can have on the iPad, two apps operating independently. So on the left side, you can have Safari. On the right side, you can have ByWord or Mail or whatever it is that you want. So it's a great way if you need to reference information from one app and write in a different app. So, you know, this has been rumored now for a couple years. And I heard that it very nearly was released last year, but they just couldn't get it right. and uh, now it's out. So, um, it's, it exists. One of the big gating issues I also heard about was processing power because, um, you, if you're going to have one app running on the iPad, that's great. You want it to run fast. If you're going to run two apps, now you've got two apps drawing from the same pool of memory and processing power and everything else. So, uh, they announced not only are they bringing multitasking, but they're limiting it to just the iPad two, which is the only currently shipping iPad. Um, That makes sense because the iPad 2 is remarkably overpowered compared to the other iPads. So you can see this is one of those puzzle piece things where, okay, now I understand why the iPad 2 was so powerful.
0: Well, and now you understand a little bit why they needed that and why split screen can only work on on the iPad 2. But we got more than just the split screen on the the iPads because the iPad 2 is the only one that will support split, split screen, but all of them will will work on all of the other features will work on. I think every other iPad, every retina, mm, so it will go all the way down to the iPad mini two, which is the retina iPad mini. But yeah, I think it will also A5 work one. on, yes. yeah. On the iPad air. Well, yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and yeah. so you want to talk about that feature a little bit? You want me to, because it's not just, they have something that's like split, split screen, but isn't really split screen.
0: Yeah, it's called slide overview. And so would you call it like a three-quarter screen? A three-quarter, one-quarter screen?
1: It's very similar to Notification Center on the Mac. You know how it slides over from the left side of the screen? And but it's selectable apps. Like you could have messages open there or, you know, so it gives you a form of split screen, but they're not both active apps at the same time. So I think when you slide over you you're giving priority to whatever has slid over and then tell, and then you go back to the other application when you're done with it so it's kind of a it's not as you it's not as um it doesn't give you as much power as a user but it does give you the information which will be great so um that's kind of a, a slightly less than split screen uh, you know i'm just rambling now but it, it's it's nice so um uh, they have the slide overview, which is good, and then they also really kind of bumped up the game for the keyboard. And they did it in two ways. Um, the first is they have now uh, the, the the on-screen keyboard has a little bit more power, like in the toolbar above it. They've got like buttons for copy, paste, and you know typical things you're going to do. But the piece that was really impressive to me is they have now made the entire keyboard a trackpad. So you can put two fingers on the keyboard and move it around like a trackpad and the mouse or the cursor on the screen that you're working on will move around. So they've essentially built a trackpad into the iPad.
0: Yeah. And the way it was clear that the people who demoed this on stage had some experience and had been playing with it, but the way that they were so quickly able to manipulate and and grab things on the iPad using that, it, it was pretty astonishing.
1: Yeah, I I think that was planned. I I think they wanted it to be hard to follow. So you would appreciate how, how fast they, you can get with this thing. And, and it's always been a a sticky point for me when using an iPad that I have to lift my hands from the keyboard to tap something on the screen and selecting text. I understand how you do it. I'm not sure there's a better way to do it, but you know, with the long press and dragging around, it does feel like a big roadblock as you're trying to get work done. So uh, for people who want to do like more serious work, on the, um, the iPad, I, I think that this is gonna be really helpful. They have also done something cool with uh, hardware keyboard support, where now it's got the uh, tab switcher, you know, like you can command tab and switch between apps, and it's got better keyboard shortcut support. I mean, they clearly are really trying to, um, to get this thing uh, more powerful.
0: Yeah, and then the other thing we got is, is we got a very picture-in-picture uh, picture view.
1: Yeah, you know, that to me is an interesting one. This is another puzzle piece on the board in my mind. The, um, you know, picture-in-picture makes a lot of sense on a big screen. It makes less sense on a small screen. I, I, I'm i not sure how picture-in-picture would look on your iPad mini. I no, think I don't look, know either. I think it would probably look okay on my uh, 10-inch iPad. But if they end up coming out with like a 12-inch iPad, I think picture-in-picture makes a lot more sense. So that's another one. I want to wait a couple months and see how it all plays out. But, you know, the idea is if you've got a video playing on your iPad, you can put it on the screen while you're working elsewhere. So if you're watching, like presumably, like if you're watching a Linda course, you could have it play while you're answering email or watching Netflix or whatever, you know, tickles your fancy.
0: Yeah. And we'll have to see exactly, you know, our app developers going to, I'm assuming you know is it going to work with any video in safari or app developers going to have to specifically build and support for this i imagine that most will pretty quickly but you know even some app developers still don't support airplay you know the video the video app developers sometimes aren't always on on top of their game yeah. or on the well, what, cutting edge
1: one of the things that really stands out with all of this is um there's been a lot of talk in the press about you know poor performance of ipad sales where they're not it's not you know People are not buying, I think it comes down to the fact that people buy a new phone every two years, largely, and people still have iPad ones that they're perfectly happy with. I mean, and so you're not, you're not getting the massive numbers of sales. And I don't think they really ever are going to get the massive numbers of sales with iPads that they get with iPhones because everybody needs a phone. Um, But now all of a sudden they're adding features like split view where you need the most recent hardware and they're adding you know, power user type, you know, productivity stuff where you're going to notice if you have a slow iPad. And I suspect part of this is, you know, to sell more. Well, all of this is, of course, to sell more iPads. But I mean, uh, the effect of this is it will be a much bigger encouragement for people who already own iPads to upgrade. Yeah. But I would say if you're home, if you're home and you're thinking about this and you're thinking, well, maybe it's time to upgrade because I want to get split view, I would recommend waiting until October. Yeah.
0: we're, we're going to see some iPad in September, October, I think for sure.
1: And, and like another thing is, you know, the notes app, which is we've talked about it on the Mac and it, I guess we should talk about it briefly on iOS, but you Notes know, got a bunch of work on iOS too. And one of the features in it is the ability to draw a picture and save it to your note. And I was thinking, well, that's okay. But drawing a picture on, you know, the iPad or iPhone isn't never really comes out that great. And then the penny drops in my head, but wait, what about force touch? You know, we have force touch that is ru- rumored to show up on the next version of the iPhone and the iPad. Uh, and then you would have like a pressure sensitive screen where you could make really nice pictures and then they would just save to notes. And it's like, Oh, okay. I think that's where they're going with this.
0: Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if we get a larger iPad, if it gets some kind of force touch pressure sensitivity. And, and if we get that, well, I guess it would be about the same time we get the new iPhones. If that comes this generation or if it comes next.
1: Yeah. I- I I would not be surprised to see Force Touch show up this year as the big as the big feature for the success and the new iPads.
0: Yeah. Um another big feature that that I'm very interested in and excited about is is Wallet. Passbook is gone and it's now been upgraded to call be called Wallet because in addition to storing everything that Passbook used to store, It's also wallet is now going to get upgraded. It's going to store your your Apple Pay cards. But Apple Pay is also getting expanded because it's going to um, accept more cards and you're going to be able to put into this wallet um, credit cards from various stores as well as reward cards, which I think that's going to be huge. Of course, depending on how far it rolls out, it's pretty limited now.
1: Yeah. The one thing about the reward cards I don't understand is it looks to me like you need like the company to support it to get the reward cards in.
0: It sounds like it because they said that it happened instantaneously. You know, for example, if you're at Walgreens and, and you pay using Apple Pay, then it automatically pulls up your Walgreens rewards card as well. So that that reward, you're not only going to have to have that Apple Pay enabled terminal, but there's also going to have to be some way in there for it to know. Oh, and by the way, credit this to my Walgreens rewards card, I would imagine.
1: Yeah, I wonder if they ever considered putting it in where you can just like take a picture of your existing reward card, so you can at least have the numbers and maybe the scan code or something. Uh, well, that they, was they something
0: were... I considered because you know we've got these third-party apps. We've got the the Card Star and the uh, 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 Stow Card and those those kind of apps that that we use for this type of thing. I I would love to be able to get rid of all those third-party apps and just use it in Wallet, even if it wasn't supported by Apple Pay.
1: Yeah, hopefully that happens. Um, uh, there were some other new features, uh, CarPlay is wireless now. CarPlay is wireless. Yeah, really that numb. was
0: always a matter of time though, I think. Yeah.
1: And I don't know how much of a story that is yet. I don't think it's really taken off. Maps got transit directions, but it's only in selected cities.
0: It, pretty uh, limited
1: cities too. Yeah. But it looks pretty cool the way they're trying to implement it. I'm, I'm curious to see how that goes. Um, and then, uh, they did talk about performance and, Um, there was two things here that were very interesting to me. And the first I think was the new technologies they're using for battery life where, you know, they're looking at how we use our phones and trying to build in, you know, new additional ways to preserve battery. So for instance, uh, the phone knows when it's face down, like you put your phone face down on a table and it does that knows that from the gyroscopes and the cameras and everything in it. And so, um, Up until now, when a text message comes in or a notification, your screen would always light up, no matter where it was. But now, if your phone is face down, screen's not going to light up. So just all the little things that drain battery for no reason—they're squashing out of the operating system, and they're saying that this adds an hour to battery life on the average for people. I mean, that's cool that they could do something with software to give me another hour a day.
0: Yeah, and then they've got this new ultra or this power save mode. And I wasn't clear, David, I don't know if you got any more information as it went on, but when is, does it kick, does the ba- the ba- battery mode kick in automatically when you get into low battery? Because it says this can give you up to three additional hours of battery in this low power mode, or is that something you have to activate that?
1: Yeah, I don't, I, I asked and I didn't get a straight answer on that either. Um, but as a dad, I love the idea because my, my girls quite often don't You know, they they let their battery run down. So if they were out and about and they could get another two hours of battery life, uh, even if it turned off, you know, some of the other features of the phone, but they had the ability to make calls and, you know, do the basics. I'm looking forward to seeing how exactly that works. Um, They also reported that the operating system itself got smaller. So where the, um, I believe iOS 8 was something in the neighborhood of four gigabytes to install, The new one is just a little north of one. So they cut a bunch of it out. And the way they did that is, you know, the operating system has to support all these different processors. You know, I think it supports all the way back to A5. But, you know, depending on which phone you have, um, you don't need all that stuff. You only need this operating system for one processor. And now the system figures out what your phone needs and only installs that and not everything else.
0: And that's huge because how many people do you know who ha- are walking around with that icon on their setting screen. You know, they've got an update, but they can't because they don't have the space.
1: Yeah. Well, and listen, I am. Uh, in fact, we need to talk about later. But the, the fact that they're selling, selling a phone with 16 gigabytes just doesn't make sense to me. Because, you know, they could if they increase the base model RAM, um, that wouldn't be as big of a problem. Or, I'm sorry. The base model storage, not the RAM, but the RAM wouldn't hurt either. <laughs> um, anyway, um, okay. So, so iOS nine has some nice new features coming. Again, it's more of a um, you know an iterative update than revolutionary, um, but it's all good stuff. Yeah, you know? I mean the fact that we're talking about notes is one of the big new features. Tells you that this isn't a huge change, right? But but the proactive thing is the thing I'm most excited about
0: all right well um let's talk about uh watch os
1: yeah okay yeah so but um
0: do you want to take a quick break before we do or
1: yeah yeah let's do that sorry i got i got going on watch my, my mind was in motion so uh our next sponsor today is lynda.com and lynda helps you learn and keep up to date with your software and frankly many life skills um they've got over 2400 courses taught by industry experts and there's more added every weekly Linda is like a professional organization. When you go there, they've got their own uh, professional video recording. They do all the backgrounds. It's just a really well done educational video. I mean, I think they're probably the best in the world at it in a lot of ways. And so they put the videos together. They got their start doing things like the Adobe suite, but now they have courses on just about anything you can imagine. In fact, there's a lot of stuff going on today. They've announced Swift 2 here. I'm sure Linda already has courses in work. So if you've ever wanted to become a developer, sign up for a Linda account and start going through their Swift courses and you're going to be well on your way. But they, it's not just computer stuff. They've also got stuff there for business and productivity. I know a lot of our listeners are into that. I, I um know they have a new course, for instance, on writing proposals. Uh, they have ones on how to close a sale. They have one on communi- communicating with confidence. Um, not only can you get good at technology with Linda, you can get good at any life skill that you're working on. They've got one on communication tips that just released on June 10th that I watched actually before I came up here. And I thought it was really great. Another one that I really like is they just did one on memory retention. I've always had a, a trouble, Katie, like remembering phone numbers and stuff. I don't know. I've just never, I always assumed I just wasn't wired for it. And then I watched the The Linda video on memory, it taught me all these tricks about memorizing things. And now I'm actually getting really better at it. So there's just a lot you can learn if you get yourself a Linda account. It costs $25 a month and it's all you can eat once you get in. Uh, But they've got an offer for Mac Power Users listeners. If you go in there to lynda.com slash Mac Power Users, you get seven days for free. So all these courses I just talked about, you can just spend an evening and watch them. And uh, seven days, no commitment. And if you get in there, you're probably going to like it. You can sign up and can continue. But but go sign up for it at, at lynda.com slash MacPowerUsers. That tells them that you came from us, which we appreciate. And uh, legitimately, you are really going to like having a Linda account because there's just nothing like learning new things. And Linda always has new things for you to learn. So thanks, Linda, for all your support. And um, everybody go check it out
0: so we've only had our apple watches for a couple of weeks now and in fact some people haven't even gotten theirs yet because they haven't shipped I, i'm curious how many how many watches have you seen in the wild today compared to uh the the rest of your your
1: oh, oh time? they are watches are everywhere i mean now the oddball is the person who doesn't have a watch on you yeah. know in this in this in this community and it's funny because like even just like in line at starbucks everybody's checking their watch i mean it's this is, you know, ground zero of Apple people. So the, it's, the
0: baristas are probably wondering what is going on. Although it's San Francisco, yeah. they're probably used to it, but it's probably particularly crazy
1: this week. Yeah. yeah, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And and they announced the new operating system for the watch, which wasn't a surprise. They you know, Apple has told us that they were going to to, you know, come with native apps. I'm glad that they're here as soon as they are. I'm sure this stuff has been in the works since the beginning and um i suspect that you know there's probably an argument they were going to withhold the watch until they had this new operating system i'm glad they released it when they did though
0: yeah um I- i'm very excited about watch os 2 because as happy as i've been with the apple watch i think watch os 2 I- it adds some gimmicky stuff that i probably won't won't use you know for example um well you could say it's a gimmick or not y- you can now add your own photo as a watch face i know that's things that many people have been screaming for I don't particularly care to do that, but I know it's it's something that a lot of people will All use. Right. I've I've had so many people ask me, oh, can I put my own photo there? And no, but now you can.
1: I think it's going to be huge. I mean, you know, a lot of people, whether it's their kids or their dog or whatever, they they want to have that personal connection on their watch. And, and it's not just a single picture. You can actually add a gallery to it. So if you have a gallery of favorite pictures of your family or friends, every time you look at your watch, it could have a different picture behind the time, which I think is kind of cool. Um, the downside of that is, at least in the demo, there were no complications. You know, you can't say right. any complications. I was going to
0: ask it. you about that because I didn't see any complications. So it's going to be yeah. a very basic watch face. And it also, you know, you've got to be careful because depending on the photo, you may find that it's not as good of a watch face. I think Apple went to painstaking lengths to make sure that all of their, their watch faces were very carefully crafted for for WatchOS 1 to look good and be very readable. And that may not necessarily be the case when you start making your own with, with
1: photos. I think one of the, the biggest bits of news for the new watch kit is the fact that developers can now make their own complications.
0: Yeah. That's going to be huge.
1: Yeah. And you know, I can tell you just talking to developers around here, everybody's excited about it because you know, it's prime real estate where you have an app that you can access every time you look at your watch.
0: Right. Are there any in particular that that you and I don't want you to divulge any secrets of what developers are looking at, but just when you think about the types of apps that you have on your watch and what you would like to do, are there any particular complications that you're interested in?
1: Uh, Well, of course, OmniFocus is one of them. You know, like if I had it show up to uh, give me when you think we're going to talk in a minute about how they have native apps now, so it's not going to have to hit the phone every time it wants data. And. And to have a complication that shows maybe my hot list of items count in OmniFocus and then be able to tap on the watch face and jump straight to the native app, that would really make my day. And I was was actually uh, talking to Ken Case, one of the, well, Ken Case is the guy over at the Omni group. And I was saying, boy, Ken, I have this dream in my head of tapping an OmniFocus complication and jumping to an OmniFocus native app. And, um, and he says, yeah, I have that dream too. So that's a good sign that something's going to happen with that. But, you know, a lot of, you know, like even like weather apps, you know, let's say there's a third party weather app you prefer um, having it be able to have a complication. would be great. Or or like Fantastical. Fantastical has a really nice watch app. In fact, I think their user interface is better than the Apple native calendar watch app. But once but how do you access it? You got to jump through a bunch of hoops. If they put a complication on the watch face, you can get straight to it. So I don't know. I'm, a lot of productivity apps, I think, could benefit from this. Yeah, um,
0: I kind of like the idea of a, a now playing watch app just just a play pause button or something you know that would work maybe with whatever's playing. Maybe it senses that my Apple TV is the one that's playing, or maybe it it senses that I'm playing music from my iPhone. But just a pause play button toggle because I use that quite a bit.
1: I also think that like once this becomes a real thing, it makes a big case for making multiple watch faces. So let's say. Oh, yeah. You know, like maybe you've got a um, a a, a facies when you work out that just has complications related to workout. And you've got another one when you're in trial that just relates to the things you need when you're in trial. So it's I, I think it's going to be really great when they get that.
0: Yeah. Or or a work in a home watch fit.
1: Yeah. And, and the developer, everybody walking around here is excited about that. And I guess the other half of that is the native apps on the watch. So now you're not, you know, one of the hangups of the watch right now is it has to go to the phone to get data. And if the app it's going to has to go to the internet, it makes it even more difficult. And now you're going to be able to have the data right on the phone. I'm sorry, right on the watch. And um, for the productivity apps that we often talk about that is golden. And uh, so I'm really, I, I just think it's going to be a great improvement for the watch.
0: Right. Uh, Another feature that um, they talked about was time travel. And, you know, Apple has quite a time theme going on. We, We have time machine, time capsule, and now time travel. Have I gotten them all? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I, I don't know. Do you see yourself using this much? I guess it it would be the the use case that they pointed out where you had an electric car and you wanted to see the charge if it was going to get you to a certain point of the day. That's certainly that's certainly beneficial. I, I guess maybe the use case I can think of this is, is to look at my appointments and see what appointments I've got easier in the day. But maybe I could just pop into the calendar app for that, too.
1: Yeah, that's how I do it. And I'm not sure that's ever going to change. I mean, it's, it is interesting that when you look at the watch and you spin the dial, nothing happens. So, you know, now something happens, but the, yeah, um, I'm
0: just afraid that I could activate it accidentally.
1: Well, it, it's very clear when you activate it, it shows that it's, it's been moving into the forward. So, so you will know when you do. So I don't think that's a risk, but I'm not sure how much I'll use that. Uh, they had another feature that I thought was kind of interesting, they call it, um, nightstand mode.
0: I'm and, actually. Uh, I actually will use this, but go
1: ahead. Yeah, me too. I mean, because I don't have a stand for my watch; it just sits on the side of the bed on the nightstand and sits on the charger. And if you now loop the watch as if it was on a wrist and set it's on its side with the um, the digital crown and the other button on top, so it's basically on its side, it'll display a clock, and the two buttons can be the alarm and the snooze button. I thought, you know, why not? Like guess I'm traveling, especially.
0: I, I think traveling is key for this. I, I will use this. I use this all the time when I'm traveling and I I have a alarm clock app on my iPhone that I use specifically for this purpose. It also generates some, some white noise. So there's a, there's an app idea for a watch developer. I could do it all with one, but that means that I have to find a way to prop my iPhone up, or I either have to, you know, if I wake up in the middle of the night and want to see what time it is, you know, I have to kind of get up and look and see what my, my iPhone says if it's laying flat. But my watch face will never be laying flat. So I'll always at least just be able to see what time it is at a glance. I'll, I never have to worry about taking an alarm clock somewhere now.
1: Yeah, the um, there was a lot of other small feature ads like they have now the ability to reply to emails on the watch. I'm not sure how much I would actually use that to tell you the truth. Um, mm,
0: maybe for quick yes, no things. I mean, it, yeah. it may be the difference between getting an email out of your inbox and not.
1: Well, you know, we just had Jeff Richardson who was talking about how he actually uses the email app a lot. So for him, that would be probably useful. Um, uh, Transit directions is showing up, but that's, that's part of the maps thing. And you know what? I I don't want to go into it at length, but um, the watch, you know, the walking directions on the watch have been just fantastic for me walking around San Francisco because I have never lived in an urban city, you know, big urban town and I think I always kind of have a bit of a deer in the headlights look to me as I walk around. (laughs) You know, in fact, it was funny. I was at a dinner last night with some developer friends and and one of them looked at me as I was trying to figure out how to get home back to the hotel. And it's like one in the morning. So I'm in San Francisco and I think he felt so sorry for me. He walked me home. You know, <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't know where I was going, but, but, but with the watch now, as I'm walking through the town, I'll put the directions on my phone. And, and so I guess the point I'm making is I, I already look like a deer in the headlights. I don't want to be walking around with my phone out, looking down to figure out where I'm going. It just, you know, it makes it so obvious. I'm a tourist. And, um, with the watch, once you set the directions, it sends them to your watch. And as you're walking down the street, your phone's in your pocket. And when you're coming up to a place you need to turn left, it gives you a tap signal with a little space between each one. It goes tap, 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 tap. When you need to turn right, it taps you um, repeatedly. And so it actually kind of gives you a Morse code on your wrist as to what you need to do next. And if you look at your watch, just like you're checking your time, it'll say turn left at Market Street or whatever. And I find this, you know, I hadn't really used it much at home, but now on the road, I find this feature tremendously useful. So...
0: And it also can be a safety feature, you know, so you're not walking yeah. around with your head down in your phone all the time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it just, it feels great that like my, my wrist is giving me directions and nobody else knows. So anyway, I, I like that. Right. Um Better Siri activation lock. I mean, there, there's some new features. Oh, we got the wallet on the watch, too. So that you yeah. be right.
0: There, there were a lot of security. Well, they didn't really talk about it, but there's some security announcements throughout this conference. We didn't talk about, you know, the passcode is going to six digits by default, and we're getting two factor authentication in more places. Those I'm, yeah. I'm happy to see Apple heading in this direction.
1: Yeah, this seems it. I think it fits with their corporate philosophy about privacy and protection. It, it just makes sense.
0: Yeah. Well, we, um, yeah. well, how about music?
1: Yeah. How about music?
0: So I, I don't want to dwell on this, but our, but our good friend, Dr. Durang, wrote a piece that I, I tend to agree with. I cannot judge the, the music service, and I don't intend to, but boy, that presentation just really fell apart at the music yeah. section.
1: You know, that is like the talk here. Everybody, nobody's talking about the service. Everybody's talking about how did Apple put that train wreck on stage, that whole thing. And um, it's funny to me how big of a deal that part of me feels like we need to let it go, you know. Um, but let, let's spend a couple minutes talking about the presentation and then let's do an ad break and talk about the actual service. How about that? We just need okay. to exercise our demons quickly. Um, well, you wanna I, go why, do we,
0: why do we think it happened? I mean, did it happen because... They weren't sure that music was going to debut. And so it was an add-on at the last minute. Were they negotiating right up to the last minute? And so it was just an add-on and it wasn't well rehearsed. You know, did it get extended? Was it supposed to be 15 minutes and it became 30 because they didn't have the Apple TV? You know, I I don't know. To me, I think they could have just cut the keynote 15 minutes short. Uh, Was it the fact that they weren't working with their normal quote-unquote talent, meaning that they had to go out and and bring in guests who perhaps they didn't have as much control over, you know, Eddie Q is always a wild card when you put him up on stage, but that's kind of, kind of his thing. I I don't know. You know, it was, it was clear that it, mm. to to me, the message was so fumbled that I really don't know what to think about the music service.
1: Yeah. I I think that's a really good summary. Um, I think that um, I heard from some people that know things that, they were stretching it longer because they had removed some stuff. Like we heard very little bit at home kit and we heard very little bit at Apple TV. And I think those are intertwined. So they decided to make it longer. Um, but I really felt like, you know, sometimes you give celebrities more airtime than they deserve, you know? And I don't mean that disrespectfully, but I mean, Eddie, um, G- was it Jimmy Iovine? Jimmy. Is, yeah. I mean, he's very well known in the music industry and like, from what I've heard, he's been very instrumental in helping Apple make all this work. But I think they they were too um, – they didn't clamp down on him enough, which I thought, you know, he got up and it was rambling. And he was reading something, and there was a joke in it that he didn't even understand, but he was the only one in the room it's, that did Yeah, understand. it's
0: it's – we're introducing three revolutionary yeah.
1: services. And, and, you know, i got to say on that, um, every time they, like, do the one more thing or they use, like, something Steve said – I almost feel like those are very precious bullets that you don't fire any old time. And this, none, this, this music service did not justify either one of those statements, but either way. um, So, you know, he seemed like kind of rambling and, and, and I think he felt like the room was laughing at him. Maybe, you know, when all that was happening and he didn't really understand the jokes. And um, it just seemed like it was, I think it was, I think it was as uncomfortable for him as it was for the people in audience. And then, The same thing with Drake. Drake came out and the message was, I mean, so that, you know, the the service has three fundamental tenets we'll talk about after the outbreak. But his job was to say, yeah, this can help you really get the word out uh, to your listeners and to your, you know, to your fans. And I think that is a really important message because this is one of the only music services that does that. So I I think that's great. But he didn't really explain it very well. I
0: have no idea what Drake said
1: okay now my and i haven't read doctor i haven't really read anything to tell you the truth but my own personal take on it and i thought honestly the most insufferable part was the eddie q part i just felt like it was very he just took a lot of liberties and he wanted to happy birthday phil
0: schiller Yeah.
1: yeah and it really i don't know i don't know how that happened it just felt to me like Somebody needed to rein them in a little bit or they needed to be more scripted. And I understand how they do little jokes. And like, I think Federighi, for example, does an excellent job of including little jokes in his things. And, you know, I always try to do that, too. Like if you watch screencast I do and you read the screen, a lot of times there'll be something funny in there. And yeah, I but you're felt,
0: not you're not hitting us over the head with it.
1: Exactly. I, in fact, I always want it to be almost something that most people don't even catch. And the people that do catch it, enjoy it. And the other people don't feel like I'm trying to be boring to them and, you know, insufferable. And um, it just felt to me like the thing with Eddie Q. That's the part. I mean, I almost can forgive Drake and and Jimmy Iovine because I think they were out of their element. And I don't think, you know, like for instance, Jimmy Ivine could have come on stage and said, you know what guys, music is really messed up and we've been working hard and we've come up with a solution and here's Eddie to explain it. And that would have been fine because that would have shown his presence and his involvement and let Eddie Q deal with the technology part of it. Um, but instead it just got really rambling and you're right. It was the end of a long keynote. Everybody was already tired and you know developers aren't that interested in music so it just feels to me like they kind of fumbled it and it it is a little distressing because as apple people we want their presentations to be perfect but you know what they've had imperfect ones before and um i'm pretty sure they learned a lesson i mean they apple reads and knows you know they read everything about this stuff and um I actually saw Phil Schiller last night at a um, at the John Gruber event. And you could see in his eyes when John Gruber asked him about it, that this was a lesson learned for them. So I guess we just I'm ready to turn the page on the thing but everybody here is talking about it.
0: (laughs) Well, tell you what, let's let's turn the page. Let's stop talking about uh, substance and let's let's. Wait, let's stop talking about form and let's start talking about substance. Uh, But before we do, I want to talk a bit about hover, uh, because when you have a great idea, what do you want to do with it? Uh, you want to present it well, obviously, but in order to do that, you need to secure a great domain name for your idea. You want it to be something catchy. You want it to be memorable. You want it to represent your own online identity. And Hover is going to help you do that. They are going to help you find the perfect domain name. In fact, Hover just helped me secure a domain name that I've been trying to get for years. And I contacted their customer support and I uh, used one of their partners to secure this domain name and uh, had someone help walk me through the transfer. They were just amazing. It is easy you can search for the domain name that you want. You can enter a few keywords and Hover's going to show you uh, the best options available and the selections. They have a huge variety of domain names. All of the extensions you could possibly want. They've got the .com, the .net, the .io, uh, and all the various country codes to suit your needs. If, if you want .coffee, .photography, .whatever, chances are that Hover's got it. You want it and you can probably find it there. Uh, also with Hover, uh, you get a great smart control panel and built-in DNS. So if you want to go in and, and you want to tweak your DNS settings, or if you want to add email uh, with Hover, they make that so simple. If you want to set up an email forward, if you want to redirect your web page, it is so simple. And they've got these amazing tutorials that will walk you through just about anything you want to do. But if you're not a tutorial person, if you would just want someone to, to do it for you, uh, Hover offers a valet transfer service that will make it as easy as possible to move all of your domains to Hover for no additional cost. Uh, you just give them the information and they'll do all the dirty work uh, to take your domain and move it over from your current registrar uh, over to Hover. And why do you want to move over to Hover? Just because they're great people, because they're not going to mess with you, because they're going to sell you a domain at a fair price and they're not going to upcharge you for all the extras. All of your domains are going to include uh, privacy registration, free, uh, so you don't have to worry about someone getting your information the internet. So if you want to go check Hover out, uh, when you sign up, you can head over to hover.com. That's H-O-V-E-R.com. And you can get 10% off your first purchase if you use the code TEAMMPU, uh, T-E-A-M-M-P-U. And that's in reference to our uh, App Camp for Girls team that we just funded. Uh, So thank you to Hover for their support of uh, Mac Power users and go team MPU. All right, so David, let's let's talk about some of the substance of of this music service. You're probably more excited about this music service than I am. You know, I currently don't subscribe to any of the online music services. I've always been one of those people who likes to own my own music rather rather than than subscribe to a music service. I've I've never used Spotify, I've never used Beats. Um, whatever I've gotten, I've I've either ripped from my own CDs or I've I've bought outright from the iTunes Music Store. So, t- tell me why why would I or someone else be interested in one of these music subscription services?
1: Well, let's just talk about what Beats does um, because it's got three pieces to it. It, it is a music subscri- subscription service. A-
0: Apple Music, not Beats. Apple Music.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. And then it's got a, a radio station, which is interesting. And then it's got the ability to connect with artists. And as the subscription service, I actually was a Beats subscriber before Apple bought them. I had tried a couple subscription services and I, I you know, I have an affinity for odd. me I like, you know, I like odd music. I like like 1950s jazz and I like impressionist classical and like stuff that nobody else cares or listens to. But I went on Beats and there were a lot of like curated lists on there and a lot of them were by users and some of them weren't, but they were by someone at Beats and I actually liked their lists. So I went ahead and subscribed and I've actually been a fan of it. And um, it was actually kind of a tough call for me because spending $10 a month on a subscription service, it means that's $120 a year. I could buy 120 songs a year rather than subscribe to it. But um, for music discovery and just listening to stuff like I found tons, I thought I had like everything Miles Davis had ever made. And I found a whole bunch of stuff I didn't. And I don't necessarily want to buy it. Some of it's pretty rough, you know, it's stuff that was recorded poorly, but I still like listening to it. So, Um, I have actually enjoyed my beat subscription. And then when Apple bought it, I I kept the subscription because I figured it's only going to get better. And, and as I understand it, and this is another one I've been asking around, I haven't got really clear answers on, and I don't think Apple even knows yet. Um, but they have licensing deals for a lot slash most of the stuff in iTunes. So when you sign up for the subscription, pretty much most of the things in iTunes, you can just stream and listen to without buying. Um, and they're going to be using the same idea of beats curated playlists to make really strong playlists. So if you want to just listen to some music and maybe some stuff you already know and stuff that's already in your library and some stuff that you've never heard before, um, it'll serve it up to you. So, and it, you know, $10 per person is that's a, that is one, you know, call. Do you want to spend $120 a year. Uh, And frankly, I was, I didn't know what I was going to do because there's four people in my family and I wasn't, you know, spending $40 a month for music was probably out of my price range. So I I was thinking I may have to cancel my subscription because my kids are aware of my beat subscription and they're not happy that they don't have one, (laughs) you know, Uh, but they announced that you get your entire family up to six people for $15 a month, which for me is a total no brainer. Now, yeah.
0: Uh, f- I was going to say fourteen for your whole family. Do you know if there are any restrictions on that? I mean, is it is it five people kind of like the Apple thing? Up or? to
1: up to six.
0: Up to six. Okay. Yeah. So that's gonna that's gonna satisfy most groups. Now, what do you get with all of this? You know, one of the things I was I was listening to to some of the follow up. One of your complaint you have to be signed up for family sharing, correct, to take advantage of this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you do. Oh,
0: so you got to re sign back up for family sharing.
1: Yeah, I think that's the case. Um, well, you know, we'll see. I mean, if I tell my kids that they're going to be able to play anything in the iTunes store, that is going to eliminate a lot of complaints that come with family sharing. <laughs> 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 the, um, um, another thing is, and this is something that is innovative, and I don't know who's... Like, this may be something that Jimmy Iovine's behind, the guy we were just trashing over the keynote, but they are bringing a live 24 hour radio station in. And I think it's really interesting. And, and they brought in the, you know, Zane Lowe is like the premier DJ. And I was talking to Mike Hurley here and he says, look, Zane Lowe is like huge in the UK. And like my oldest daughter is a big Anglophile. She listens to like BBC radio on the internet. And when she heard that Zane Lowe had gone to Apple, all of a sudden, you know, my fixation with Apple Became completely legitimized to her, you know. <laughs> so, um, but so Zane Lowe is going to be putting this together, and and from reports, a lot of people really like his taste in music and his interview style. Maybe people younger than me are going to like it more than I do, but you know, I think it's a very interesting addition to the mix. And then they also have this thing, which is kind of a variation of ping. You remember ping?
0: No, David Ping never existed. What are you talking <laughs> so,
1: about? So years ago, they had this thing on iTunes called Ping where people could share their playlists. And it was really kind of hilarious because at the time, my kids were going through their Hannah Montana phase and people would look at my Ping list and they would think I was completely insane. But um, this is a little different. It's, it's artist-based and artists can share, you know, they take a picture of the lyrics of the song they're working or a little audio track of something they're doing in the studio. It's just a way, like if you have a favorite artist, um, they can connect with you and it's kind of like an enhanced Twitter maybe, and you ear an artist putting it out and people subscribe. So it's not for users to share between themselves, what they're reading or listening to, but instead artists to share what they're up to. So you can kind of feel more connected. Like this is something that I could imagine someone like Taylor Swift, who's very savvy, could just really crush something like this if she's interested in it. Um, and one of the focuses, and this is the thing I was kind of getting to with Drake is, um, you know, there's a lot of music services out there now. Um, like, I kind of follow this stuff. You know, like Beyonce and Jay-Z have one. I forget the name of it, but it's a little more expensive than this. And they keep bragging about how it's for the artists and whatnot. And I felt like some of the subtext of this, this keynote that we don't understand was they were trying to, Apple's trying to say, anybody can do this. You don't have to be a superstar to get into this. And it can help very small artists connect with an audience, which I think is something that really is important to Apple. So, Yeah, um, but
0: I I have seen some things, and I know you haven't been on the Internet much, but apparently it's not quite as easy as anybody can sign up because I've seen some things where some small artists have tried to, you know, some some individual people have tried to sign up, and there there are a few more hoops to jump through.
1: Yeah, but it it seems like they're trying to make it accessible. So anyway, um, but I mean, the big deal, I think, for our listeners and for most of us is, uh, 15 bucks a family a month, and you can listen to most of the music in iTunes and you can make playlists and do all those things with it. And they're going to have other people making lists if you want to subscribe to them. I, I think that's a pretty easy proposition. And for an individual, like for you, Katie, it's $10 a month.
0: Now you don't have to buy it. If if you're, um, just first off, everybody gets a free three month trial and that is huge I mean, anybody who's been on the fence about this, it's not a seven-day trial or a a two-week trial or even a month trial. It's a free three-month trial. And, uh, you know, using something for three months is really going to give you an opportunity to kick the tires and decide, is my life better with this in it or not? And and then you get to decide and you get to push one button, okay, am I going to keep that? And I think you're going to find a lot of people who say, I'm just going to try this three-month trial and then maybe find when it's up. Gosh, I I really missed that. I I really like to have that back. So I think yeah, that three month trial is ingenious.
1: Yeah. Also, I think there'll be people after three months who say, you know, I didn't use it that much, and I feel completely fine not subscribing. So it just depends. But it, like you know, our friend Allison Sheridan famously doesn't listen to any music. You know, she's not yeah. gonna she's not gonna sign up for it. But um, it just depends on your taste. I I like I said because I have eclectic music taste. I think I'm a good target for this because I I really like strange music that's not easy to find and and frankly stuff I'm not even aware exists. So, um I find it kind of nice. I'm I'm certain, especially with, with as much as my whole family likes music, we're going to be signing up for it.
0: Yeah. There's also a free membership, you know, as long as you're signed in with your Apple ID, um you can view and follow artists on Connect, you can listen to the Beats 1 radio station, so everybody with an Apple ID is going to have access to that. Um and then you can listen to some Apple Music radio stations, which I think are similar to what we have now with just the, uh, I I guess, the standard music stations with some limited skipping. Yeah, yeah. Um, But you're not going to have access to the entire catalog.
1: Yeah. So and that's coming out at the end of June, so it's not going to be long. Uh, There's an 8.4 update to iOS in the mix. And my guess is when that comes out, they'll have all that stuff enabled in it.
0: Yeah. And my understanding, and I don't know if you had a chance to look in this anymore, David, but I know one of your complaints was that when you got into family sharing is that you it, it did not include um, uh, iTunes Match. My understanding is iTunes Match is going to stay around, but iTunes Match type service is going to be built into I, Apple Music.
1: Yeah, exactly. And some of my other complaints, my more mechanical kind of buggy complaints, I've heard from many listeners that most of those have been solved. So, uh, my big hurdle at this point, to be completely honest, is to convince my family to uh, put up with me putting them through this again because, uh, you know. Well, and I
0: and I think you wave the membership in front of them and say, if you want this, yep, this is what we gotta do. I got to
1: do. But, you know, it's just it, it's you know, it's one of those things. It, the whole thing is defined by the first exposure to the experience. And in this case, I exposed them to it too early. If I had waited until now, they'd be fully on board for it. But, you know they had this weird experience yeah, and you know, we hear about this all the time from listeners. So uh, we will, the spark family will survive. We will have a family sharing and I'm sure we'll be fine. I mean, and, and frankly, we will finally be free of this 10 device limit madness because um, that is, it still bugs me. You know, like I have a laptop that I can't access iTunes on because I only as dad, I get three, allotments I get my iPad, my phone and my iMac at home but I'm not allowed to use my my um my laptop because you know we only have 10 between all four of us. And I'm I'm spoiled as it is. I get 3 because I'm the you know I'm the dad.
0: All right. Well, I think I think we've about covered the the announcements. Uh I do want to take a few minutes though and talk a little bit about WWDC because I know this is your first experience heading out there. Are you glad you went?
1: Oh, I'm so glad I went, Katie. I'm having a great time. Um,
0: yeah, you're you're yeah. making me jealous. I got to say, I well, I, I got to get out there next year.
1: It's yeah, you you really do, and a lot of people are saying, "Where's Katie?" You know, they want to see you, so we're going to get you out here next year. But the um, um, you know, I just you know to the audience, I'm so thankful because I I've made these big changes in my life, and many of you have become my clients or friends in a professional capacity since I've left, and a lot of them are developers, and so I came up here actually and spent a lot of time meeting with with friends and clients about legal stuff because I represent several of them, but it's also been a great experience just as max Sparky to go around and, and, and see a lot of my friends that are developers and just, there's a lot of people in the press and the, you know, tech writing community that are all here. So it's, it's kind of like uh, ground central. I, I, I do miss Mac I have to be honest, you know, Mac isn't here anymore. And at Mac I always got to spend time with the show listeners and the readers at max Sparky. And there aren't as many here because this is more of a kind of a professional, you know, technical, you know, thing than it is Mac, Mac world ever was. But like today I gave a talk on, um, on, um, you know, it was called legal survival kit for developers, giving them advice on things. And there were a bunch of Mac power users listeners there I got to talk with afterwards and that felt really great. Um, uh, but in terms of information, I'm getting so much more information on this trip than I ever got on a Mac world trip. I mean, You know, I had dinner last night with Craig Hockenberry and just like lots of people that, you know, I know. And and we have a lot of listeners that work at Apple and I've been talking to them. And, you know, there's just so much information here. I mean, I, I, I had talked to developers that are actively working on things that don't exist yet that I'm very excited to share with the audience, but I can't yet. it's just there's a lot of great information here. So in terms of informing the show and Max Barkey and the things we're going to be doing in the future, uh, you and I have lots to talk about. <laughs> yeah.
0: So. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to send you out there. Cause we'll, I I'm looking forward to seeing what you bring back.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, and it, it's, I'm having a lot of fun even in my tiny little room. Um, and, uh, and there's lots, and, and you know, there's so much love here for Jean McDonald and her app camp for girls. There's tons of support here for that. Um, la- one of the thrills for me was last night, um, John Gruber did his, he does like a live podcast and he had a secret guest. He hadn't told anybody, I already disclosed earlier in the show, um, you know, Phil Schiller, Apple's you know vice president for Mark worldwide marketing shows up. That um, should be
0: out as a podcast now. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes if it is. Yeah.
1: And it was great because, I mean, first of all, the room was full of love for Apple. So it was, you know, he had a home audience, but, but John didn't, just throw them softball questions. Like one of the questions he asked was, how come we have still have a, an iPhone that has 16 gigabytes of memory? Why don't we have a 32, you know, and there were good questions and it was interesting to hear his take on it. And, um, uh, so that that's definitely a must listen. I, I frankly, I don't think I've ever heard Phil Schiller interviewed at that length and that, you know, without having it clearly was not scripted. I mean, he just was answering all sorts of questions. And, um, so there's just a ton to learn here and it's really fun. And the social part for me is always awesome. You know, uh, as a geek, I'm, I'm home working. I don't get to talk to these people face to face often. And so whenever we can all get together, I love it. I did see Paul okay. Kent though. And I told him how much I do, uh, you know, it, it makes me a little wistful for Macworld being here. Well, is that a word good. wistful? I don't even know if that's a word. Uh.
0: All right, David. Well, I am. I'm really excited to have you there. Um, I'm excited to see what what you bring back and and uh, what we can talk about. And we got plenty to talk about on future episodes of of Mac Power Users. I think it will be a very busy fall for us.
1: Yeah, and and the other thing is, I've lined up some amazing guests for the show. So we've got some, we've got just a lot of great stuff coming coming down the road here. All right. Um. All right. So, well, you can.
0: You can find links to everything that we talked about in this episode on, on our website at relay.fm slash MPU slash 262 for this particular episode. You can also follow, uh, well, David, you'll be back by the time this episode posts, but you can you can follow your travels over um, on your website at maxbarkey.com. You're going to be writing stuff up?
1: Yeah, I've got, I've got several posts going up, and I'm also tweeting at, at maxbarkey.
0: Excellent. Uh, I'm at Katie Floyd on Twitter. You can find my website at katiefloyd.me. The show is at MacPower users, uh, and we will see you all next week.